G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. When I was in this hotel room in Brisbane, room 814 on the 8th floor, and I walked out on a bright sunny morning, I felt I felt like someone or something was pulling me over the edge and someone or something was pulling me back inside. I mean, I seriously contemplated jumping. But the night before, I was reading a Gideon's Bible in my hotel room. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, his voice is well known on Christian radio stations all over Australia as the Bible teacher on Christianity Works and also the program called A Different Perspective. His name is Bernie Diamond, and what is not as well known is how he came to be the CEO of Christianity Works and how he went through a very dark period before God finally got a hold of his heart. Today, Bernie will share his full story as he has a chat with Phil Edwards. You might think you know people, but maybe we'll learn a few things here as we dive into who is this character, Bernie Diamond. I might reframe the question, Bernie, actually. How would your wife describe you? Look, I think she would describe me as the most awesome, sensational <laughs> husband Humble. that ever walked the planet. Yeah. Humble. And <laughs> on Mother's Day a little while back, I got my mother a beautiful card. It said, Dear Mum, thank you so much on the front. Opened up and said, I turned out absolutely perfect. <laughs> what did she say to that? <laughs> she had a good laugh. Oh. She's 90 now. Yeah, very good. All right, so let's learn a little bit about about Bernie. We know you're passionate about uh, helping people to understand the Word of God and get it into their lives and, and, and I guess have that same transformation that you've had in your own life. Before we get to that point, let's go back. Where were you born? I was born in Bulli, New South Wales, ah. Bulli Hospital. Bulli Hospital, as the south yeah. coast of New South Wales. You south can't get much more Aussie than Bulli. Yeah, I know. What a great name. So you grew up around that area? Yes, I grew up in the Gong. In Wollongong and went to school there. My parents were both post-war immigrants. My father, Adolf Diamond, I came here just after World War II, so his name was mildly problematic in that period. But yeah, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so you grew up in that area, you went to school there. Yep. Uh, where did life take you after that? Well, I, I went to Wollongong High School, which at the time was a selective high school. And What does that mean? Uh, it means you had to be academically gifted to get in. Okay. And just like I'm short and slightly dumpy and grey-haired and myopic, um, God also gifted me an IQ, right? So I went there. I ended up being the ducks of that school. And I thought I was pretty darn clever, you know, mm. right? when you're young. And I went from there to the Royal Military College, Duntroon. Um, I, I was accepted to uh, medicine at Sydney University and law at the ANU. But medicine never really flicked my switch. I was never very good at putting things back together again. You know, <laughs> much better at tearing them apart. So I thought military is much well, better for that. Well, if you're a doctor or a surgeon, yeah, you could do the first part of the surgery. Yeah, it's just the last yeah, that I was it. not so good at. Yeah. So. so yeah, the Royal Military College, Duntroon. Okay, so in, that's in Canberra. Yes. What was that time like for you? It was hellishly difficult. Um, in what way? It was. It was physically and psychologically punishing. And we started with 160-something um, 
cadets that marched in. Four years later, 61 of the original graduated. Um, wow. They, it, was, it was a very high dropout, and that, that's what they expected. So of the 9,000 that applied initially to get in, 61 finally made it, made it through. And uh, it was tough because they were training men. There were no women at Duntroon at that point in time. It was training men to lead other men into battle. And so they wanted to weed out those who psychologically and physically couldn't do that. I mean, we were trained to be leaders. And, uh, and so yeah, they pushed us hard. And I, I've got short little legs, you know, so I find running really difficult. <laughs> and I was almost kicked out in my last year for failing the cross country twice. 42-minute, 8-kilometre. I failed by 21 seconds the first time and 12 seconds the second time. And they almost kicked me out. So I, I made it through by the, by the skin of my teeth. And if you said, Bernie, I will give you $10 million to do it again, I'd say thanks, but no thanks. Eleven. I, <laughs> I'm glad I did it. I'm really, really glad I did it. Yeah. But, boy, it was tough. What do you reckon kept you going if it was so hard? I'm a stubborn so-and-so. <laughs> and, and actually our class motto, which came in a patch that went on our tracksuit, was smile the so-and-sos can't live forever. Right? <laughs> and, and it was just this sense that they are not going to win. I am going to win at this. Um, and uh, and so I graduated, yeah. It was just an amazing time to be able to graduate from Duntroon, which not many people have done. Mm. And I imagine that tenacity is something that has served you well through your, through your life? Tenacity is an interesting word. Um, it is a double-edged word. Yes, the tenacity has served me well. Stubborn-headed as well. Yeah, but there's a, there's, a, there's a dark underbelly to that, yeah. um, which actually destroyed my first marriage and, and um, yeah, God had to deliver me from my favourite saying used to be, it's so hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys, yes. right? It, it was that arrogance that I talked about earlier yeah. and that pride um, that was ruining my life and my relationships, even though I couldn't see it at the time. So you're at Duntroon Military College yep. and you get through one of very few, 61, 61 was it? I think 61 graduates out of original uh, 9,000 odd applications and you're one of those 61. Mm-hmm. How'd that make you feel? Oh, look, the, the day we graduated and we had the graduation parade and Sir Zelman Cowan gave us our commissions and we received our degrees and then we had the ball and where the pips were pinned on our shoulders. Oh, that was just amazing. It's one of the, one of the real highlights of my life mm. because it's a long haul. And by the way, all these years later, we still get together, our classmates in Sydney, uh, in Brisbane, I know they get together. Um, we have a big reunion coming up soon, so we're still very close. Yeah, very strong, that sense of camaraderie yeah. um, in the military. So what year was that? I graduated December 1980. Okay. And how long did you serve? Um, Ten years. So four years at Duntroon and six years after that. Um, and during that six years, I, I was able to do a postgraduate degree as well. And so I had to pay back some time for that. And uh, I ended up getting a job offer in Civvy Street, as we called it. I was on a captain's salary, and this job in Civvy Street was on a brigadier's salary. So it was kind of a no-brainer at the time to to step out of the military. And I'm glad I did. It was good. It was a young man's game, and uh, I'm glad I did it, and I'm glad I left when I did. So Civvy Street, in, out in the civilian world. Yeah, it's all yeah. you civvies that we used to look down on. <laughs> And that's an interesting thing. So, again, here's maybe a theme coming up here. You know, we, we looked down on them, and you talked before about arrogance, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, it's hard to fly like an eagle when you're surrounded by, by turkeys. turkeys all the time. Was that a good description of where your heart was at? Yeah. I'm, I'm an achievement outcome-oriented sort of person, which is, as you pointed out, probably why I stuck it out at Duntroon. And, and that's good. We need those sorts of people. 
But it was that edge of pride and arrogance that was the, the dark underside of that, which was my downfall. Mm. So you're in civilian world now mm-hmm. and married by this stage? Yes, married and, and uh, children came along and then I left the military and uh, um, I formed an IT consulting firm with two ex-military partners, the colonel, mm-hmm. the major, I was the captain. Sounds and like a joke. Yes, a colonel, a major captain walked into a bar, right? Yeah, right. Um, and, uh, and we grew that to a, a pretty substantial enterprise. Um, we were working on four continents, and, and we did that for 17 years together. Mm. So how did your you, – you mentioned before that you came to a, a pretty dark place in your yeah. life. What happened to get to that point? Look, the more I, I strive for material things and recognition – I mean, I remember speaking at a conference in – in Los Angeles, um, in Anaheim, not far from from Disneyland, and there were I don't know a few thousand people in the audience, and and the the projector screens either side of me were three stories high, and I came off that, and I remember thinking to myself, Bernie, you are so good at this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It was that sense, and people asked me for my autograph, and it was just I believe my own propaganda, mm. right? You drank the Kool Aid. I drank the Kool Aid, yeah. and. And yet the more I got of that and the more successful I was and more recognition I had, the emptier I was feeling inside, right? And, and, and so the, the more I tried to get more, it was this vicious circle of, of emptiness. And, of course, I spent so much time away and worked so hard telling myself it was important to have a career and provide for my family that, that my wife found someone else. Wow. And, and that, was, that was the single most devastating experience of my life. That someone else happened to be one of my best friends. Oh, wow. Um, he and I had played together since we were four years old. And, and please, I'm not being judgmental and I'm not – but it, it, it tore my guts out. Mm. It tore my heart out. I would. Um, and and it, took, oh, it took a few years to get through that. And it was in that darkness that I almost took my own life. Um, and we had some friends in Wollongong, um, Sandra and Carson. Sandra had been at school with us and uh, they were Christians. You know what? I hated you Christians because you Christians – and her, her name, incidentally, had been Goody before she got married. Oh, really? And you guys were just Goody two-shoes, right? Sandra, if you're listening, God bless you. And you know what? Even though I'd always been horrible to them, they were the ones who were there for me. They were the ones who opened their door for me. And there was another Christian couple in, in Melbourne and an older Christian woman. It's the Christians that came out of the woodwork whom I had universally been horrible to who stepped into my life and just loved me. Mm. And I don't remember much of what they said, and they did share their faith with me, but I'll never forget what they did for all eternity. And I am here today because those people love me. You're listening to The Story. Today, our guest is Bible teacher and the CEO of Christianity Works, Bernie Diamond. Bernie's chatting and sharing his life journey with Phil Edwards. As we're hearing, Bernie was in a pretty dark place after the breakup of his marriage, when he had never really experienced failure before. We'll find out what happened next in his life when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with more of Phil Edwards chatting with Bible teacher Bernie Diamond, who's the CEO of Christianity Works. Bernie's voice is familiar to many radio listeners across Australia as the host of Christianity Works and also the program A Different Perspective. But today, we're hearing about a part of his life that is not as well known, and that is the dark period in his life before he became a Christian. Now, here's more of Bernie's life journey. We're hearing a bit of uh, Bernie's story and how he uh, grew up in the Gong, uh, Wollongong, and uh, ended up in uh, military college, Duntroon, uh, and was one of the very few who managed to, to get through, spent time in the military, created his own company with a couple of other ex-military guys, uh, but found himself in this place where he was working like crazy, and uh, in the process, his wife decided, well, I'm going to go off after somebody else. And that left you in a pretty dark place, didn't it? Oh, a very dark place. I mean, it, the sense of betrayal was terrible. And and you're talking about a guy who's never failed at anything, mm. right? And yet I failed at life itself. And that, together with the emptiness that I felt from all this materialism and trying to be successful. Man, I had 24-carat gold on the taps in my bathroom, right? <laughs> but But... but I didn't have any joy. I didn't have any sense of satisfaction. And that, that emptiness is what almost drove me to the point of taking my own life. Mm. I guess that scripture comes to mind. What does it profit a man who gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Is that where you, you were at? Uh, that was written for me. Right? That was absolutely written for me. And that's where I was at. And, and when I was in, in this hotel room in Brisbane, room 814 on the eighth floor, and I walked out on a bright sunny morning, I felt... I felt like someone or something was pulling me over the edge and someone or something was pulling me back inside. I mean, I seriously contemplated jumping. Wow. But the night before, I was reading a Gideon's Bible in my hotel room. And and so I went inside and I knelt down, which is what I thought you had to do because that's what my parents <laughs> taught me, right, by the bed. You can I, only pray to God on your knees. Correct. It's a good place to be, by the way, yeah. but... Uh, um, and I said, Lord, if you're out there, now would be a good time. I'd kind of believed in God before, but I'd grown out of that. And, and um, that's all I had, man. And that's all it took. I still had a lot of difficult stuff to travel through. The, 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 one of the worst things about divorce, um, it, of course, there are children involved and there's the financial settlement. And, and things got so bad, I moved up from Melbourne to Sydney because that's where she took the children. Um, things got so bad. I was driving around in this BMW 9 Series, right, beautiful car. Mm, nice car. But, but I didn't have enough money to buy groceries for next week. My credit cards were maxed out. My overdraft was maxed out because there's lawyers. There's all that financial stuff. Um, and the church that I'd, I'd stumbled upon, Little Church, Oyster Bay Baptist Church, um, were having a car boot sale. So I took scuba gear and stuff up to the car boot sale. I sold everything by 11 o'clock and no one else had sold anything. And mm. that, was, that was what God provided for the next week. So mm. it was really hard, you know. Mm. So how did that unfold for you? So clearly you came to this point where you prayed and, and God answered your prayer. What did that look like, the, the answer to prayer? I went to... Um, I went to a, a church in, in Wollongong that these friends, Sandra and Carson of mine, took me to, and, and I hadn't darkened the doorstep of a church other than weddings and funerals for, for many years. And, and I walked in, I felt sweaty, and, and, and it was just a horrible feeling. Um, and Ted Keating was the minister, and he preached a sermon, God is calling you, which sounds just a little bit corny at this end of the equation. <laughs> but God was calling me, and by the way, I could preach that sermon to you today. I remember it that well. Wow. 
And when all you Christians were having your instant coffee and your, your Arnott's arrowroot biscuits <laughs> after church, I went outside and I sat down on a gum tree and I said, Lord, I give my life to you, everything I have and everything I am, every hope and every dream I give to you. That's exactly what I prayed. And this sense of joy exploded in me. I was like when they were driving me back to the train station. I was like a helium balloon bouncing in the back of <laughs> back of their car. Um, and and the months and year ahead were still very tough, and there were a lot of tears. But the more I spent just with Jesus, reading the Bible and praying, it was like. It was so dark that nothing anybody said or did could make a difference, but Jesus was in that place. Mm. And his light shone so much more brightly for the darkness that was around me. And that's where where my faith was forged, my, my trust in Jesus. And it's been a, a journey. It's like it's a journey for everybody. I wouldn't wish that time on my worst enemy. I wouldn't swap it for all the tea in China. Wow. You know, it's just the most special time of my life. Yeah. I guess God had to have you in a place where you were broken and willing because you said before you were very proud, arrogant, and you had to get to that place before you could. Yeah, he had to whack me over the head with a lump of 4B2, right? I mean, that's the only way he was going to get my attention. Did he cause that situation? No, it was me living out the consequences of sin in a fallen world, um, but he was in that place. Mm. And of course, uh, the trajectory thereafter has been a very different one to what <laughs> happened beforehand. Let's wrap things up with your story. So, you know, you, you were a man of success. Mm-hmm. You, as you said before, you had gold taps in your bathroom, and I'm like solid gold. No, or, no, or gold plate. Gold plate. 24 carat. But at least gold, real gold Yeah, uh, taps in your bathroom. But things all really came to a head in terms of being in a dark place. Your, yeah. your wife had left you. You had seriously... uh, considered suicide and came to a place where you're under a tree and said, God, I give you my life. Pretty much whatever it takes. Take me wherever you want. Where did did God take you? Well, he took me to Oyster Bay in in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney um, where I joined a little church called the Oyster Bay Christian Church, a Baptist church. Um, There were, I don't know, 30 people in the church. Um, The only single women in the church were over 80. (laughs) <laughs> so I was unlikely to meet anyone there. Um, and as a part of that, I ended up um, picking up a brochure to Tabor College. And uh, within a few months of giving my life to Christ in uh, in 1995, I was in Bible College Wow! Uh, doing a ministry degree. I was shocked. I didn't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. remember one of the lecturers saying, we all know the story of Job. So I flipped through my book and I was a job. I wonder if they're talking about Job. Job. Yeah. And I still have to be careful not to call him Job. You know? Um and and so and as part of that, I had the opportunity to work with what was then known as Good News Broadcasting or Back to the Bible, now known as Christianity Works. Um, I did some of my my sort of field ministry training for my degree with with those guys, and one thing led to another. I was the chairman of the board, and and uh, and then I ended up taking over as the CEO in November two thousand and four. So that's a very different trajectory to the to the one that you're on. Now fully engaged in ministry and there are millions of people around the world that are being touched through what you're initiating and what you're part of. Yeah, and if you'd have told me that back on that hotel balcony in Brisbane where I was contemplating taking my life, I mean, yes, I'd been successful and yes, I came into the kingdom with gifts and skills that God had, had given me, fine. 
but I was so broken. If you'd have said to me back then, Bernie, you're going to be doing, you're going to be sitting here with me in the studios of Vision talking about this in 20 years' time, I'd have said, man, you are smoking something you shouldn't be, mm. right? And yet God, God, God is a God of grace. God is a God who wants to change our lives, and, and that's what he did with me. What do you reckon was the key to the healing process? Two things. Drawing close to Jesus. Not working harder at getting to be a better Bernie because that was never going to work. And secondly, becoming immersed in the Word of God. My pastor, Phil Little John, at that little church, faithfully got up and taught the Bible every Sunday and, and gave me a passion for the Word of God. And, and I know that, that when I read a verse and, and it, it, it touches me, that's the power to change my life. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing the Word of God with people because that's how our lives change. Hmm. Good stuff. So today, Christianity Works mm -hmm. uh, is operating in how many countries? Look, I think we go to air in, in somewhere around 160 countries. Wow, that's incredible. 160 countries. Yeah. Um, we've just recently gone to air on a, on a, a satellite network across Africa. Um, that's 50 countries in sub-Saharan Africa, not only on satellite channels, on DSTV, but uh, also on FM stations and there are television networks that take our programs across the US and Europe and it's just like, what? How did that happen? <laughs> Where do you reckon's the most obscure place you've ever uh, had some feedback from? Somebody's gone, hey, I'm, I'm listening or I'm watching. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. Yeah. Um, I, we did a little thing in, in our newsletter a little while ago about all the obscure countries that people had visited our website from in 30 days. And there were like there were countries, I, I look, I can't remember, there are countries whose names I can't remember in South America and in the Stans and in, in uh, you know, Tanzania. And it's just, you know, it's God. Mm. We, it's, a, it's a small world but a big kingdom. Mm. And, and God has the power to do things that we can't imagine. And we're only 13 people in our ministry, like paid staff, not all full-time, so about eight full-time equivalents. Look, lots of volunteers and wonderful translators um, into 11 or 12 languages, whatever it is now, um, but only 13 staff, mm. but a big, big God. Absolutely. One last question before we wrap this up. What do you reckon your legacy will be? The lives that God changed through the preaching of his word. It's not my legacy, but it's his legacy, and, and that legacy is changed lives. Thanks for sharing, Bernie. Really appreciate it. Bless you. That was Phil Edwards having a chat with Bible teacher and the CEO of Christianity Works, Bernie Diamond. It was great to hear how God got a hold of his life and turned everything around. As we heard, Bernie went from being a high-flying businessman who had all kinds of material success to feeling empty inside and suicidal after the breakup of his marriage. As Phil said earlier, Bernie's life reflects the Bible verse, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Thankfully, as we heard, Bernie did not lose his soul, but gave his life to Christ and is now spreading the good news of Jesus all over the world. Today, Bernie produces over 1,000 episodes of radio and TV Bible teaching messages each year, a wonderful turnaround from his once broken life. To learn more about Bernie's ministry and the great things they're doing, you can go to their website, christianityworks.com. That's christianityworks.com. 
Well, thanks for joining us for Bernie Diamond's Remarkable Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. They would have to sit in the river all night long and do all these different rituals and stuff to gain the Spirit's favour. And the Spirits would tell them, if you can do these things and get it all right, then you'll go to heaven. There will be this basket will be let down and you'll be taken up to heaven in this basket. So as they listened to the Word of God and as they heard what God said, they started to realise that, hey, you know, this isn't true. The Higaonan tribal people in the Philippines had lived for centuries enslaved to superstitions and in fear of spirits they felt they had to appease. Until one day the village witch doctor had a dream that white men would come with a book. That's when Australian missionaries Ron and Michelle Jennings entered into the picture and were used by the Lord to help set them free from bondage. We'll hear that incredible story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.